I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey into... Wait a minute. Do you you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Yes, 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 we do IPAs. Okay. Yes. Anyway... Join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, do you, have you guys ever, do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima, oh. Zima's, Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! Marijuana. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. To Canaculture, I am your Canasaur, Nate. Hope you guys are doing good and the world is finding you well on this fabulous Friday here in April. As we are all surviving this crazy quarantine, I hope that uh, you know, you've kept yourself from going mad, whether you are an essential worker or whether you are someone who is forced to stay at home, smoke weed all day, eat delicious snacks, make delicious food, play video games, and have a great time, if you can. Or if you can't, maybe you've got other stuff you've got to attend to while you're at home. Maybe you've decided, like me, yesterday I got up, I got really, really ripped, and I said, man, like, what am I going to do with my day? And then the little kiddo comes, and he's like, hey, I've been cleaning outside. And I was like, oh, let's do that. I want to work on the backyard, so went in the back, and I worked on the backyard, and I uh, spent several hours landscaping and chopping down parts of trees and fixing the back part of my garage and just trying to get the back part of my house in order because uh, it definitely has never been properly tended to in the last, I would say, uh, seven or so years. Not to say that I haven't been able to maintain it, and I've done my best, but uh, I never received these grounds at level zero where there was you know nothing really to worry about as far as like what landscaping had to be done as soon as we got here it was like there were so many different things that were already too far gone as it were so you know here we are we're doing our very best we're trying to uh, make do in the crazy quarantine you know make the best of your time clean your house do things of that nature you know just try to have fun doing it like I said I think the the, you know, the first thing in my day is, uh, is uh, and here's, you're learning something new right here on the show, but it's a wake and bake, right? And you're going to wake up, you're going to feel groggy, you might start off your day in a bad mood. I know today I wasn't in the best of moods. I think uh, my legs are just really, really beat up from the week, and that's not any kind of excuse or whatever. It's just the facts of life, and I didn't really sleep so great. So, woke up a little cranky, say la vie is what it is. But after some smoke and after some relaxation and thinking about it and just trying to get into the right headspace, I've locked in. I know that now I can reset my day because my wake and bake has given me the opportunity to reflect and to slow my brain down. 
problem is my brain sometimes is going just a little bit too fast. And maybe, you know, that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's where my creativity comes from and whatnot, and that's great, you know. But sometimes, in order to really catch a thought, i got to slow that shit down so I can even understand the thought, you know what I'm saying? So, anyways, babbling long enough... You guys join me for episode one. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. That was really, really awesome to have the support we got back in that first episode. I will say I, I really love the intro we have now. Uh, shout out to the Free Beats guy that I found it from on YouTube. Uh, it was a Free Beat in November. Thank you. It was an awesome thing for you to just put up there in the world, and I only sampled like... 30 seconds of it, but it's like maybe the best 30 seconds of the song, in my opinion, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, after reflecting on episode one, I thought to myself, how do I make the show even better? Because really the first episode is me kind of sheepishly reciting facts and trying to find my footing in how I wanted to present the show to you guys. Initially, I had one kind of a concept, and I think it just was kind of, while it's a good idea in theory... I don't think I could have elevated it how I would like to have seen it elevated. So I took a step back, like I said, and like I do, and I was looking at the situation, and I said, why don't I do something totally outside of my own bounds and try to really genuinely create a structure-based, segmented show? So we're going to have little segments. We're going to obviously be freeform still. There's going to be a lot of conversations in between that I'm sure I'll end up having with the listener here. Uh, but it is possible that uh, these segments are going to be such nicely crafted things that this is what you should do in your hour while you're in the yard work or you're doing you know, laundry or whatever. And you need something to listen to to escape the craziness. I want to give you guys knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. The whole point of this is knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Like, sure, smoking cannabis is fun and it's nice and it makes you feel good. And it makes things better, right? But if I'm not teaching you, historically speaking, the background of this plant and its importance, because maybe you don't have time to go on the internet and research and learn about things. So from my experience, I'm going to give you knowledge as best I can. And we're going to also continue to grow and learn together. Now, in some of these segments, if I do a segment, you're like, oh my God, I would love for him to cover X or talk about this. Send it to me. Please, please send it to me. You guys know where to find me. Uh, go to Journey into Comics podcast at gmail.com for emails to Can of Culture right now. I haven't set up an official Can of Culture uh, Gmail yet because that's just too many Gmails for me to have at this point. I have, when, every time I create a show, I'm like, shit, I've got a new Instagram now. I've got a new Facebook page now. I've got to figure out. I haven't done any of those things yet to this point at least, but by the time episode two releases, I'm almost certain it will be done. So uh, check us out at Canaculture on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's some pressure for me, right? All right. So anyways, back to the segments, back to focusing on what we are doing. I came up with a list of segments right now. There are more segments that are going to be coming. Now, to say, what what about episode one? We were talking about the history, and, and then you're, are you just going to abandon that? No, that's going to just become a segment now. So in the future, and I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about it uh, possibly in episode four. We have something special planned for episode three. I'll be talking about that uh, in episode three, so stick around. Spoiler alert, you're going to have to come back for more. Um, but... Uh, I wrote down some segments, and 
the THC timeline, which was what we worked on in episode one, is going to be carried over into multiple episodes in the future here. So you're going to get portions of it throughout the rest of your listening pleasure as you are a uh, connoisseur yourself learning about this plant. So let's get into it today. I am going to start off with, uh, let's go ahead and talk about this stoner in history. This stoner in history is a very fun little segment that I'm bringing to you guys where we discuss important people in cannabis culture in the history of our world, okay? And I feel a lot of the modern success and the modern acceptance, I think is the way to really word that, the modern acceptance of this plant, comes from trailblazers, and one of the biggest, in my opinion, is Tommy Chong. Now, you might laugh, Tommy Chong, of course you're going to pick Tommy Chong, this is a weed show, like, yeah, of course that's your first, but I, I felt like he was a great a great first choice, and I found a little um, a little paraphrased thing here that really summed it up nicely about Tommy. And uh, you know, one thing obviously, Cheech and Chong, the movies, Up in Smoke, uh, Still Smoking, things of that nature, like those movies are classic. They stand the test of time. We'll probably at some point talk about each of those movies, and we're gonna get into that too in a little bit later. So, to back to Tommy. This is from MarijuanaBreak.com. It's a blog site. You can check out multiple different things. It has a lot of different uh, uh, avenues for learning as well if you really want to sit and spend hours in the wormhole that is the internet because you can sit and learn and learn and learn, right? So here it is, Tommy Chong from MarijuanaBreak.com. Described as a marijuana VIP, Tommy Chong was born in Canada and is best known for being one half of the legendary Cheech and Chong double act. The infamous 1978 production Up in Smoke featured Cheech and Chong Marin uh, and is about an unemployed weed-smoking drummer named Anthony Stoner who is forced to get a job by his parents. With fellow smoker Pedro de Pascas, Stoner's embark on Stoner embarks on a weed-fueled adventure. Although the movie received negative reviews, it fared well at the box office and it's credited with being the Stoner com- beginning the Stoner comedy genre. Chong was the subject of a huge criminal investigation, which uh, tried to trace drug trafficking through paraphernalia suppliers. Chong's son had started such a business, and the movie star was caught up in the mess and actually received a nine-month prison sentence in 2003. None of these problems dampened his love for weed, though. Quite the opposite, in fact. To this day, Chong continues to lobby for legalization and is one of the first people to make cannabis seem, quote-unquote, cool. Now, I really love you know, what they're saying there, but let's let's kind of break it down a little bit here because while we talked about Cheech and Chong shortly and that mo- those movies had success, even though they were negatively reviewed, obviously, in the 70s, in the, you know, growing into Reaganomics era and the change and post-Vietnam, you know, ushered in this whole, um, we have to stop the free mind because the free mind is going to stop us from x right and what i really feel like and this is to go back into the maybe the timeline just a little bit but like i feel like during the vietnam war you had two very distinct things happening you had the vietnam war where american citizens american soldiers were sent to vietnam to fight in the war as well as korea uh, and 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 a lot died for say a war that we probably didn't need to be a part of right we really didn't have any any stake in actually being there 
Um, and maybe according to the government, we did, but I digress. So at that time, we also had, and from the 60s and the, the era of love moving into the 70s, the real rise of, of modern cannabis culture is this new movement of just like flower power, love, happiness, togetherness, right? And those two things don't mix because what you're seeing is, is you're seeing some people say we need to go to war, we need to fight. You're seeing other people saying we need to chill the hell out and unite the world by smoking this plant. And... Our government did not necessarily like that, and that's why we got stricter prohibition against cannabis moving later and later and later into the uh, you know, 20th century here before we got into our current 21st century. So back to Tommy and what he was saying, you know, so the, the talking about him being a, a subject of a huge criminal investigation, if you really want to listen more on that, I do believe... Uh, and actually, I probably should have prepped this before, but I didn't, so I'll have to do a little live googling. But uh, I really want you guys to, if you have a chance, if you love podcasts, if you if you're listening to this one today and you're like, oh Nate, you know this Tommy Chong guy, I don't really know anything about him, but he sure, sure seems like an interesting fellow. Like, like please, where could I learn something more about him? I would suggest the Joe Rogan experience with Tommy Chong. And that was episode, uh, let's see, uh, 1303 was his most recent appearance. And that's going to talk about, well, that was last year. There was one before that that is, let's see if we can find it in the archives. Because the one before that, it was, uh, let's see, it talked about him going to prison and all of the things that happened to him. And uh, the craziness that he had to get through. He was also apparently on the Joe Rogan Experience uh, episode 237, it looks like. So maybe 1303 was the episode I was thinking of that he was on, but that's just last year, and I feel like, well, maybe that's the one. But anyways, that's one of the things. Look up Tommy Chong, Joe, Tommy Chong and Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, another great example of a stoner in history that has uh, been positive for the movement, but he's not our focus today. Tommy is. So I just want to talk about Tommy Chong a little bit more. You know, he seems like he's the nicest fella. Uh, he makes all sorts of amazing cameo appearances. And honestly, in one of my favorite my favorite appearance that he's done recently anyways, was his cameo appearance in Jay and Silent Bob reboot. He was essentially Bluntman and Chronic's Alfred, I guess you would say. And he had some funny one-liners, which is very stoner comedy of that genre. And um, it was hysterical, you know. I think Tommy is a great person, and I feel like we should cherish him while he is still on this planet because he is a national treasure, as Tyler would say. An absolute national treasure. And I don't get to usually uh, call the national treasures, but on this one today, Tommy Chong, you're a national treasure, my friend. So... We've done a little, uh, you know, this stoner in history, and, you know, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what those movies, the, the as I as I throw my phone down, I guess is not that important, the, the Cheech and Chong movies are so influential because they really create the stoner comedy. They really create the stoner duo comedy, which is important because you can do stoner comedies in a lot of different ways. But I feel buddy stories, 
like those are the best kind to tell because it always ends up unity and friendship and and you know uh you always have this just very like if you've smoked cannabis with another person and had an interaction where you're just like coming down from something stressful or you're getting uh in party mode because you're gonna have a bunch of friends hang out or whatever don't do that right now stay at home stay at home don't invite your friends over but you know like all those things considered uh the movie where they unite you know, you can always really feel it if you've done that with another person because you're like man i know what that feeling's like to just be like whoa we just saw some shit or we just you know we got to get amped up because we're going to go have a good time or whatever, you know. Uh, or, you know, in other situations, and, and I don't think they've done this in a stoner comedy before, but I would love it if they did a stoner comedy that was more focused on a stoner who only smoked because of his ailments and pain and less because he was goofy and like the the stoner archetype. Because, I mean, that's sure there are a lot of like forgetfulness jokes and things that could be made and stuff of that nature, but... uh but come on now. I mean, I think we do our best to keep our minds about us. And just sometimes when you're in the zone and you're zen and out, things fly by because you are finding your inner peace and you're, you know, letting your pain melt away. I mean, uh, my hope is, and I don't know how this is going to play. My hope is that for my birthday, since we probably can't have people to the house, I don't think that's a smart plan that we will actually um, have like a Skype party or something with all my friends. And uh, I wanted to kind of like record some of that as a segment for here uh, because some of my friends who do smoke, I would love for them to tell some of their stories and history and lineage and maybe get some behind-the-scenes info on that, right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I need to have a, a quick, a super quick drink break brought to you by Brews with Dudes. We love him. We miss him, Nick. As soon as you can get the show going back, man, we can't wait to have it back. We understand this terrible, crucial, crazy time where social distancing is an absolute must that we can't be having a show like Brews with Dudes happen together because guys together in a room drinking beer could be spreading coronavirus to each other genuinely. So let's be safe. Let's be smart. However, we do hope to see Dungeons with Dudes back soon as we have started to possibly figure a way out to do some gaming while we also uh, talk online at the same time. So we're going to see what those plans have in store. This drink break brought to you by Brews with Dudes. Although it's not beer, it's water. This is going to be uh, quenching for sure. There's honestly nothing better than thirst quenching like cold-ass water after you've just gotten ice and toasted, you know, and you're just like there. You're like, wow. So... We've talked about Tommy Chong, his influence, what he has done, how he kind of branched out. But see, that kind of leads us into our next segment. Ba, ba, ba. This is high class cinema. And you're like, what's high class cinema, Nate? Well, I'm going to tell you, listener. Listener, here's what high class cinema is. Okay, Nate, what is it? Please tell me. Okay, I'm going to tell you now. Great, cool. Get to the point. I know exactly. That's how this works. So anyways... High class cinema is a joke because it's not necessarily high class. It's just stoner movies, right? I just thought it was a clever name. It's funny and shit and stuff like that. So here's the plan. We're going to talk about some movies. 
in high class cinema. We're going to kind of highlight movie one by one by one by one by one. Today, the first movie we're highlighting is not Cheech and Chong. It is a movie that definitely was inspired by Cheech and Chong. It definitely has some beats that are played from Cheech and Chong almost identically, but also in its own very unique, uh, organic way. We are going to be talking about one of my personal favorites, one of my all-time loves, the 2008 classic. That might just give it away. 2008, what is it? Filtering your Rolodex. Do you know? Do you know, listener? We're talking about Pineapple Express. And Pineapple Express is my jam, you guys. One of my all-time favorite flicks. Uh, I'm going to read the quick synopsis. And this is written by Anonymous on IMDb. It says, Lazy court process clerk and stoner Dale Denton has only one reason to visit his equally lazy dealer, Saul to purchase weed, specifically a rare new strain called Pineapple Express. But when Dale becomes the only witness to a murder by a crooked cop in the city's most dangerous drug lord, he panics and dumps his roach of Pineapple Express at the scene. Dale now has another reason to visit Saul, to find out if the weed is so rare that it can be traced only back to him, and it is. As Dale and Saul run for their lives, they quickly discover that they're not suffering from weed-fueled paranoia. Incredibly, the bad guys really are hot on their trail and trying to figure out the fastest way to kill them both. All aboard Pineapple Express. I love that little synopsis. It is great. It is a great way to uh, quickly describe the movie. Seth, Ro- uh, Seth Rogen, James Franco, Vehicle. It is absolutely hysterical. Amazing cameos by Bill Hader. You have uh, you know a little tiny, teeny, tiny James Remar cameo. If you watch Dexter, he was Harry Morgan. Uh you know, you had uh, appearances by Amber Heard, which she's obviously topical and in the news right now with all the drama going on between her and Johnny Depp, uh, Justice for Johnny. Uh, you had, let's see, Rosie Perez was the crooked cop, and she's amazing. Rosie Perez from White Men Can't Jump, one, one of my favorite roles. Uh, Gary Cole, who's been in a thousand different roles, is Ted Jones. Uh, one of my favorite comedians of all time, Craig Robinson, who is absolutely hysterical and everything he does uh, kills it in this movie as Matheson. And uh, one of the things I did love about this movie is is that it kind of played on a more reality-based thing. And, and it isn't really talked about that much, but let's let's break it down. More often than not, people around you right now sitting, if you're listening, there are people that are in your life that you may or may not know. And, and if you are a stoner, you probably do know. And if you are like, if you're an out in the open stoner, you probably do know. But if you're like closeted, if you're a closeted smoker and you're not allowed to really tell people your business, um, you might not know who the people around you that do and or don't smoke are. But I'm telling you more times than not, there are more people that smoke than don't. And that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that, you know, Almost every single person is smoking in different points in the movie. So, like, um, let's just list off all the characters and do they smoke, yes or no, because you're going to quickly be like, oh, wow, wow, that's like a majority of the cast. So, Seth Rogen playing Dale Denton, smokes. James Franco playing Saul, smokes. Danny McBride playing Red, smokes. Kevin Corrigan, who played Bovlovsky, who was one of the guys who was trying to, one of the hitmen who were trying to get uh, Saul and Dale, Uh they both smoke him and Matheson both played Craig by Craig Robinson, Gary Cole, who plays Ted Jones smokes Carol, who plays Rosie Perez, I think smokes at one point. 
Um, Amber Heard, we are told, does smoke, but we do not see it on screen. Um, Mr. Let's see. Uh, we know that Robert and Shannon, which is Ed Beakley Jr. and Nora Dunn, who played Amber Heard's uh, parents, Angie's parents, they don't smoke, neither does teacher Mr. Edwards. Uh, Clark is one of the kids, I think, that buys uh, cannabis at some point in the movie, if I do remember correctly, and he does smoke, as does Bill Hader and James Remar does not. So it's a majority of the cast that does, and I think that was kind of a cool way to frame that movie up, is like, the world is really like that. There are, like, if Prohibition went away, let's look at it as a, a future trip. We are on the other side, you know, let's say we're on the other side of this virus and, and things need to get back to normal. They need to reboot the economy. They're like, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we do it? we got a bunch of people who are trapped inside their houses. What one industry can we ensure that can boom the industries up and make everything grow? It's cannabis. I guarantee you, you can put money on the back of cannabis and make everything rise back up. And I'm almost certain that's probably what they're going to end up playing is a federal legalization across the board, recreational and medical, which once it becomes recreational and medical is a non-point, like that means dick because medical patients will just be able to also get their stuff over the counter easily without drama and it doesn't have to be we'll I have this medical card that's a whole new industry that costs more money licensing to smoke is crazy and I think that's a terrible terrible thing so let's talk about this movie uh, some more though Pineapple Express man there are so many different funny hits and moments in the movie uh, you know you have from the opening scene of you know them going into the bunker and uh, Bill Hader's character uh, trying item 9 and you know that shit that fucking killed me the first time I watched it. I was laughing so hard. You know, you know. But anyways, so that scene is hilarious. And then you move in, you know, obviously into the scene where Dale is calling into the radio station, and you're kind of learning about his job that he's a process server and serving people and all the different. You've been served. Served, you know, and shit like that. And that's, again, little funny comedy bits that play off really well. And, and I'm guessing that there may be some people who aren't Seth Rogen fans. And that's really unfortunate because I think he is a very genuinely... Okay, when you think about Seth Rogen, there are a couple things that come to mind. I think he's a genuine person. And I believe that he is a nice person, like genuinely a nice person. So he's genuine and genuinely nice. Uh, I also firmly believe that he's one of the kind of guys who he just interacts with whoever and doesn't really play like, oh, I'm a celebrity, because he's a Canadian dude as well and, and has kind of a different way to look at the way the world works. He's not so uh, Americanized, as it were. So uh, trying to think about more scenes, you obviously have the scene where uh, the cross joint comes in. You're like, Nate, what's a cross joint? If you've not seen the movie, it's two joints in one. They take one big joint and they poke a hole in it. Uh, like horizontally while the joint is vertical and they put a littler joint in that hole and then you light all three ends and then you have a trifecta of weed smoking perfection and it's, you know, actually there's a video on YouTube of Seth Rogen showing you how to make cross joint. That is a very real thing. I might actually link that in the comments below here. Uh, if I can haha, remember to do it, see what I did there. I made a joke. It was funny to me. I thought maybe it wasn't funny. I don't know. So 
trying to think more about this movie and uh, some of my other favorite scenes. Obviously, okay, so we talked about cross joint scene, and then Dale goes to serve Ted, sees the murder, goes back to Saul's house or apartment with his nana, and they freak out and go to the woods. And then that's a hilarious scene when they smash their phones. And then, uh, you know, Saul uh, throws his phone in the woods instead of smashing it, but Dale had smashed his phone on a rock. And he's like, Dale, call my phone. And he's like, with what phone? My phone has been smashed. You know? And he's, So then they, like, freak out, and there's a panic and shit. And, you know, the movie keeps progressing, and then the hitmen are constantly on the trail, and I love that. And, you know, when we get to the climax of the movie, we get back to the original. It's like the story actually has some continuity, and we're actually in the bunker from the first part of the movie that's still there that's out in the middle of nowhere that has now become a very 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 high-end secret cannabis grow and there's all this amazing plant and i love that when um when saul is getting walked through there he's naming all the different buds off because he's just so shocked seeing them all in one place he's like oh my god you know it's bubble cushion all this you know whatnot um all in all, this movie is is like I said, one of my all time favorite movies. We do have Pineapple Express Day from time to time, which goes without saying. We watch the movie, have fish tacos, and get lit. I mean, it's just the perfect little experience. Uh, I you know I think when I think about this movie, I just really honestly the one thing that goes to my brain is I need a real sequel because we had. You had a really funny fake sequel if you watched This Is The End, which is not a stoner comedy at all. Very different movie from this. Um, but, you know, in that movie you had a Pineapple Express to the sequel where Jonah Hill plays Woody Harrelson. And, and it's because it, a lot of the cast is in that movie. As themselves, they can make fun of and poke fun of the story and they kind of do their own thing and whatever. And apparently Woody Harrelson becomes president and wants to legalize all weed, but that makes all the drug dealers mad, so then they put a hit out on him, and it's it's craziness. But I want an actual story, like something with thought put into it that's the that's a continuation of Saul and Dale's story, because I feel like there is more to tell there. There is like a future trip, like five years later, uh, Saul is still Saul. Um, Dale is in a different point in his life, and... Um, you know, I don't know, doesn't see Saul and then they run into each other and then Saul offers him a J and then they go on an adventure and then it's, you know, craziness ensues. I don't know. That's just me riff tracking. You can take that one if you want Rogan, whatever. doesn't matter to me, but you know, all in all, I loved this movie. There are, um, you know, there are a lot of little things. Uh, Seth Rogen actually rolled every joint and cross joint in the film himself. Uh, he also originally wrote Saul to be his role, and then he realized that James Franco, Franco would be funnier as Saul once they were at the table read. He was like, eh. Um, this is also the first marijuana-themed comedy to gross over $100 million worldwide, which is a very uh, hefty feat. The dinner scene near the end of the film, which is in a diner, uh, is on-spot improvisation by the actors. So when they, after they've won and somehow Red is still alive and Saul is alive and Dale is alive and spoiler alert, all that stuff really happens. Um, 
that's all just them riffing, which is absolutely hysterical, and it's some of the best parts of the movie. The fight scene between Saul and Carol, which was James Franco and Rosie Perez, was, for the most part, improvised. Because of this, Franco was worried he would hurt Perez and would ask for her permission to do certain things during the fight. In the end, Perez actually did get hurt and got a bruise after Franco accidentally bit her too hard on the thigh. But Perez didn't tell him after the filming was done, so he didn't feel bad. These are all really cool little facts about... Uh, about uh, Pineapple Express that I'm also learning here right now because I didn't look... I knew I was going to get to this part of the bit, but I didn't know what the facts were. So these are... I'm learning as we go. While James Franco smashed the bong over Danny McBride's head, it was supposed to be a fake breakaway bong so McBride could take part in the stunt. However, it was filled with some water, so when Franco actually smashed it, McBride was mildly hurt. Dang. While filming the scene in which Saul runs into a tree, James Franco became overzealous and actually ran into a tree, causing him to get three stitches. <laughs> okay, here's another one for you. As he was handling, as he was handing Dale some guns, Red says, Ted Jones messed with the wrong melon farmers. This is a reference to a common network television practice of dubbing over swear words with less objectionable words in terms of similar sounds and links, even if the replacement words don't make sense in the context of the movie. Melon Farmers is used most famously as a dub for motherfuckers in the network television version of, of Die Hard film franchise in which the lead character John McClane famously yells, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers, became Yippee-ki-yay, Melon Farmers. So that's pretty fucking hilarious, actually. Seth Rogen told the April 25th issue of Rolling Stone magazine that the filmmaker originally wanted a budget of $50 million, but was only able to secure $25 million due to drug-heavy subject matter. I wonder what a $50 million version of that movie would have been, because the $25 million version of the movie was amazing. Saul's grandmother was not a part of the original script. James Franco came up with the part, suggesting it would be funnier for his drug dealer to have a bubby. Uh, Rosie Perez convinced director David Gordon Green to cut most of her dialogue out, telling him it wouldn't it would make her character's crooked smile more effective and ultimately more mysterious. Oh, I like that too. Seth Rogen was a guest on the Howard Stern show on August eleventh of two thousand and eight, and he told Howard Stern that he wrote the script in two thousand and one. However, he was still uh, relatively new, and it wasn't until his performance in the Forty Year Old Virgin and Knocked Up that the script was approved. Dale asks. Where should we go? Saul answers, I don't know, Hotel, Motel, Holiday Inn. These words are part of the 1970s hip-hop song, Rapper's Delight, by the Sugar Hill Gang. By Sugar Hill Gang. Seth Rogen had to practice yoga to be more limber for the physical scenes in this movie. That's amazing. During the 2008 interview with Orange County Register about the movie, the interviewer told Seth Rogen and James Franco that he prepared the interview by watching the classic stoner. Oh, he told the interviewer that he prepared for the movie by watching the classic stoner comedy Fast Times at Ridgemont High the night before. And when he was asked, Rogan and Franco, if they prepared likewise by making the film, Franco said he prepared by making out with Spicoli, which was a reference to having shot the 2008 film Milk, which uh, he and Sean Penn played lovers in. The red slurpee Saul spills all over the windshield of the cop car was darkened in the trailer after it was discovered the audiences were mistaking it for blood. Wow. The word fuck and its derivatives are said 180 times in the movie. The Asians depicted in the movie are actually South Koreans. Judd Alpatow told the newspaper USA Today that James Franco read Homer's ancient epic The Iliad during breaks on set. 
Franco also stated in an interview with MTV News and Judd Apatow stated the same at Comic-Con event that they considered making a movie sequel that would intersect the storylines of this movie and Superbad. Unfortunately, this never materialized. Oh, that would have been awesome. The first time Dale visits Saul, he apologizes uh, for coming up before being buzzed in, to which Saul replies, Stuff your sorries in a sack, man. This is actually from an episode of Seinfeld where a character disagrees whether or not the quote is commonly used expression. Ironically, after the popular episodes aired and replayed over and over in syndication, Stuff your sorries in a sack actually did become a casually commonly used expression, as seen here in this film. Apatow uh, says the inspiration for the film came from watching Brad Pitt's drugged out character Floyd in True Romance. Kevin Corrigan appears in both films. Um, this movie shipped to some theaters under the title Easy Job. In the original script, Dale's girlfriend Angie was an adult and a strong, mature businesswoman with a sharp contract to her slacker boyfriend. The decision to rewrite Angie as a high school senior was done to avoid uncompar unfair comparisons with Shaun of the Dead. Um, Brian Cranston actually read for the role of Ted Jones. However, Judd Apatow felt Cranston wasn't evil or scary enough uh, to convincingly portray a drug dealer, which is ironic considering Cranston goes on to play Walter White, a high school teacher turned methamphetamine dealer in Breaking Bad, which was also in 2008. So that's a funny timeline. Both those movies happened in the same year, or the movie and Breaking Bad series started in the same year, and uh, Cranston was a part of both of them. And and actually maybe landed the better one. Who knows? Uh, if he would have landed both, maybe people would have thought he was too goofy because they would have seen him as Ted Jones as well. The scene just before Dale calls Angie crying, which is at 1 hour, 12 minutes, and 15 seconds, the girl in a red shirt and jeans walks by, which is Lauren Miller, Seth Rogen's wife in real life. The high school is the same high school from the movie Jawbreakers in 99. Um... The place where Saul and Dale are held hostage in the beginning of the movie takes place underground. The back room, you can see a water suit, which people use to test the effects of marijuana, which is from the beginning of the movie, which the people there don't write. Some of these are kind of at the end. Uh, eh. Eh. Okay, I'm trying to see here. There's nothing really else in there to talk about as far as um, the facts and interesting things about Pineapple Express. I do say, if you haven't seen the movie, it is one of the best movies to watch. I do highly recommend it. I'm not really necessarily sure where you can like stream it if you don't own it. And I luckily own it on Blu-ray. It might be on, it might actually be on Netflix. I think, uh, you know, I, now that I think about it, it might actually be on Netflix. So let's step away from the computer for a few minutes now, as we talk about the dispensary experience. So some of you who might be listening, maybe have never been to a dispensary. Maybe you've had to unfortunately purchase your cannabis on the black market illegally from some guy you know named Saul or Redman or Ted Jones, buddy. Doesn't matter. If you haven't been able to go to a dispensary, I think it is an interesting experience that I've had several different experiences now. I've been to Colorado and had several different in each dispensary we went to it was a different experience completely okay and then we're going to talk about each different experience not today but throughout this segment and then also i've now been to an illinois dispensary and i can have and discuss and talk about that experience so today we're going to be talking about green man cannabis out of denver colorado green man cannabis is the official first dispensary nate has ever walked into and it was pretty interesting. You walk in, and you know, the door has got like the black tinted thing. You walk in, it's very bright. There's like this waiting room type area. To the left, you've got um, 
There's an ATM. There's a lady at the front desk, which is kind of like a semi-rounded, like, L-shaped desk that goes and kind of runs parallel with this hallway that leads to the main room, which is where the main floor is. So when you go in, you walk up to the lady, you hand her your identification. She checks you in. Make sure you are you. You don't want to let somebody who is not really them into the place because then you could get in trouble yourself as a dispensary selling to someone who illegally is not supposed to be there. Because there are still rules and regulations on the age of who can purchase cannabis. And I think that is very important. I do believe 21 is a very solid age. I believe if, if you're, if you got to be 21 to smoke cigarettes, you got to be 21 to drink alcohol. You should be 21 to smoke marijuana as well. I think 21 should be just the age. Um, maybe not for porn, but uh, that's not my, that's not my podcast. We're not doing that today. We're talking about that. So anyways, you, uh, you hand her your identification. She checks you in. She lets you in. Ta-da! You go in. And, you know, we walked in, we're looking around at everything, and on the left there is the glass uh, showcase, and it's got all their bud in these big, beautiful jars. They're all beautifully labeled and all kinds of different strains, all kinds of different flavors. They have them separated, hybrid, sativa, indica. We're going to talk about that in a couple episodes when I explain to you what those things mean, because I'm sure some of you are like, what is the difference? I don't know. And, and we'll get there, I promise. This is all about education. So this is what we're doing on Caniculture. That's why I'm here, is to teach you as much as I can in my short time on this show. Because who knows, this might only go 5 episodes, 10 episodes, 12 episodes. I don't know. I do not simply know what the future of this show holds. I just know that there is some, some real interesting stuff to discuss here. So we go in. We're looking at all the different strains, and they have them mixed by, you know, uh, separated by the different kinds. They've also got your pre-rolled joints in the back and different things to smoke out of, and there's a a center area that has like cheap um, different paraphernalia you get to smoke out of, so you can look through those and decide what you can and can't use or should or shouldn't use, and then you, okay, I'm done with that, okay, I'm done, gonna go over here, and uh, I see it, and I see the most amazing thing, and I'm so sad I did not get to take a picture, and I'll explain that in a second, because I see that they actually have the cannabis cup. They have won for one of their strains. I think it was Starkiller OG, which is an or Starkiller, um, which is interesting. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, boom, I see it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful trophy, and it's also a weed-based trophy. I need to have a picture. So I get my phone out. I'm trying to take a quick selfie, and I get the hey, no pictures in here, and I'm like, ah, son of a b. And they're like, sorry, man, we just. And I was like, no, you don't even have to explain. I totally understand. Like, you don't have to sell me on why you can't. It's part of the business model. I understand. So we keep looking around and, you know, actually here's the most amazing little thing is, uh, I kept the receipt from green man cannabis and I'm going to actually tell you what our order was. Um, we got, uh, let's see, we got a quarter of, we got a, an eighth of hell's OG, which is an indica. We got one pre-rolled, of uh, headband joint. We got an eighth of Star Killer, which is a hybrid indica. Uh, we bought a plastic grinder, and we got Ghost Train Haze, which is a sativa, and we got a um, we got a quarter of that. So the subtotal was ninety nine bucks. It was like one hundred and twenty five bucks total. Uh, the Denver tax is five dollars, but the overall Colorado tax it was fourteen dollars. So that's where they're making their money. 
Um, Denver basic sales tax was $4. So, you know, it's $100 stuff. You spend an additional $25, but I was in a store. I could walk around. It was very nice. You could, they would open up the product, let you smell it, tell you about it, tell you what you're going to feel, how you're going to feel. Um, the guys were very friendly, super nice. And here's a really funny thing. So I dealt with a couple of guys and we get this order. We order, we get everything we need and we leave. As soon as we leave, as soon as we walk out the door, it hits me. Um, we didn't buy anything to smoke out of. Like we don't have a little one e or nothing. We have nothing. So I have to go back in, show the lady my ID again. She takes my ID. She's like, I just saw you go. Okay. So I go in, uh, I walk in the guys are like, you're back. Are you getting more stuff? And I was like, no, I'm an idiot. I, they're like, you didn't buy something to smoke. I was like, yeah. And they like kind of laughed a little bit. And then, uh, we had a little giggle. I bought this little piece, which, man, that was a beautiful little piece. Um, it's still in Denver. Spoiler alert, we buried it because we couldn't take it with us. Uh, so, you know, bought this little piece, left there, and went about our business. And I think we actually, like, went over and walked to Walmart and or to Target. Not Walmart. It was to Target and bought some things and then had some food and then got picked up by an Uber and taken back to our uh to our hotel when we were staying in Denver there last September. So, uh, yeah, my first experience in a dispensary was September 5th of 2019 at 6 o'clock. And, man, were we mad that it was 6 o'clock before we got to a dispensary because we hadn't smoked since we got up early in the morning and got on the plane and flew into Colorado, and then there was delays and craziness and um, taken forever to get where we had to go because we flew in and where we were staying was close to the venue we were going to the show at, but nowhere near any of the dispensaries we wanted to see. So it was a little bit of a hectic experience. And I will say, although it was hectic, Green Man Cannabis was really fun. And I uh, honestly, if we went back to Denver, I would go back there because it kind of has a special little soft spot in my heart, you know. Um, I'll never forget what it looks like. I can picture it in my head if I close my eyes. They've got the sign, and uh, it's a little tiny building. It almost looks like a little Starbucks. It's not very large, you know. And uh, I think, like, to the if you're, like, facing the building, to the right is the Target, and there's, like, a Chick-fil-A and some shit, and then, like, to the left is, like, a gas station and some other things. Man. Uh, and, then, and and it was just it was just all in all so much fun to go there. Now, I talked about it, and we're going to do this today because... I did have my receipt. I was able to, and I found several of our um, purchased receipts from the different things we've been to before. So this is going to be a fun little thing because I'm going to actually talk about something today. And this is called the Strain Smoke Back. And for that, Here we go. Strain smoke back. This is Star Killer. We're going to be talking about Star Killer today. It is an indica strain, kind of a more hybrid ended indica. Uh, it's if you're going to Leafly, its code is SKL. It has a 4.6 review out of five stars, 22.5% cannabinoid THC content rating. Um, and it's terpenes, which is your flavor is it's it's about fifty percent herbal, 
um, about 35% peppery, and then about 15% citrus. It's definitely a very, very calming uh, flower, okay? So here's what is written about Starkiller. Starkiller, winner of Best Hybrid Flower at the 2016 Colorado Cannabis Cup, hey, is a 70% indica-dominant hybrid that crosses Mazar, X, Blueberry, OG, and Rare Dankness, too. The dense purple buds offer a sweet lemon flavor and aid in treating pain, insomnia, and apparently AIDS. PTSD and gastrointestinal disorder. Medium to high yields can achieve both can be achieved both indoor and outdoor with a flowering time of 65 days, meaning 65 days from birth to harvest. Uh, let's talk about the effects that this strain has. Here's what the feelings that it gives you with. It gives you a 72% relaxed feeling. And this is these are just based on, okay, the way they configure this is everybody puts in how it made them feel individually, and then, and then they compile that information to give you the quote-unquote percentages. So this is 207 people reporting with 1,784 different effects. This is what they felt. This is what they went through. 72 of them felt relaxed. Uh, 48 of them felt a little euphoric. 47% felt happy, 44% felt sleepy, and 27% felt uplifted. For those of you on Caniculture who are new, that's the train of our existence. It shows up on the Journey into Comics Network in almost every single episode we're doing, if it is filmed here at HQJIC. And uh, it's just right out my back door, so you're, you're definitely hearing that, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you are hearing that. So let's talk about what this helps with. Again, those people reporting that 46% said it helped with stress, 41% with anxiety, 38% said it helped with their depression, 38% also said it helped with their pain, and 32% said it helped with their insomnia. So we talked about all the positives, all the good stuff. It makes you feel relaxed, which is a big win. You're having a stressful day. You want to pull your hair out. You smoke a little star killer. You immediately just, oh, you can breathe again. You can take a deep breath. Everything is Okay. You almost get a little euphoric. You almost melt into the couch. You just don't want to get up. You just kind of become a zombie and get into Zen mode sometimes. You're happy. You're smiling. Everything's nice. Maybe you smoke this towards the end of your night instead of towards the beginning of your day because it makes you sleepy. It helps you go to bed. And maybe for those of you who do wake and bake, and I know when we were in Denver, I, it worked with me. It helped me to feel uplifted in the morning to smoke some of the Starkiller strain. So what are the negatives, though, with this? Because there are some negatives from smoking. We can't act like there's only positives. That's a totally one-sided way to look at it. There are negative effects. Dry mouth, meaning cotton mouth, meaning your mouth is not producing enough saliva to keep all the glands in your mouth moisturized, which is making your mouth feel like a desert. It's hard to talk. Your mouth gets sticky and it's tacky and it's kind of ugh. You're like, God, I need to have 17 drinks. And then you grab your water and you go, oh, that was a delicious drink. And you're like, oh, that was a great quick drink break. I didn't mean to pull that off. Dry eyes. Now, let me tell you, that might be a negative for some people. I see dry eyes and I'm like, oh, relief. I have allergies really bad. And in my right eye, literally waters every day. So much so that there are shirts I have that I sleep in that I only sleep in now because when I was younger, I would dab my eye on my shirt. And I sometimes still do it, but I try to be better about it now. But I used to dab my eye on my shirt, and it was so, I did it so frequently that it yellowed that shirt. 
or those shirts in one specific spot, you can tell where I've rubbed my eye because there's this like weird yellow stain. It's very strange. So having dry eyes is actually something that would be great. And uh, I don't really remember if my eyes got drier uh, in Colorado. That wasn't something I was really thinking of. Dizzy, I don't know about that. Paranoid, eh. And anxious. Okay, so they said that uh, 4% felt dizzy, 3% felt paranoid, and 2% felt anxious. That is such a low percentage reporting that it, to me, that almost is like, okay. Because that, that doesn't even make up 100%. 22 and 12%, that's 34%. And 4% is 38%. And 3% is 41%. And 2% 43%. So they didn't even report the other side of it, right? So that means that maybe the people who are dizzy, paranoid, or anxious could possibly have just been feeling effects of their own. Dizzy could be attributed to things in your own house, you know, electromagnetic stuff that messes you up. That's a real thing, depending on where your Brandon was telling me about that. It's like the polarity or washer or dry. I don't know. Ask him. He'll tell you. But um, paranoid sometimes. Okay, I can vibe that. I can actually pick up what you're laying down about possibly being paranoid about after smoking something. Because sometimes you can, depending on where you are. Just get that paranoid feeling like something's coming for you. Um, so uh, let's see. It says that we can get it nearby, actually. People have posted photos of it. It is a very beautiful, uh, brightish green with these beautiful, like, orange hairs in it. It's kind of also got these purple notes to it that are just amazingly colored, and it looks great. Uh, as they said, Starkiller comes from Mazar X Blueberry OG as the parent, and then they hybrid it down to Starkiller, and that's just, you know, I really don't actually know the process of which they do to clone. I know how to clone, or I know how they clone, which is easy. As the one cannabis plant grows, you chop off some of the stem, uh, some of the grow, the side-growing stems, and you plant those, and then they will grow into their own plant. Um but I'm not sure exactly how they crossbreed them because Starkiller actually is now a parent strain to Sour Starhead and Fenno 51, which are strains that I have not tried. Apparently, Cresco Labs, which is not too far away from here, uh, you can get Starkiller. A little bit more expensive than what you could get it in Denver, but that is uh, prices in Illinois. So, all in all, I loved smoking Starkiller. Of course, it has a. Um, an extra special place in this nerd's heart, being that I'm a big, 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 gigantic fan of uh, Star Wars. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, that was the Strain Smoke Back, and I think that's actually going to do it for this week's episode. We got through it, guys. I thought that was very, very fun. Uh, attempt with these new uh, segments and you know just kind of working our way through it it kind of is it is still very free form I didn't have a lot of stuff written down just the essentially what I wanted to talk about and then uh, just kind of went off the cuff so if it's uh, terrible let me know and if you liked it let me know as well before we go folks I want to let you know that you can listen to Caniculture every other Friday right here on the Journey into Comics Network journeyintocomics.com get us on Apple Music Podbean Stitcher Radio Google Play Music Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, many others. Search for Journey Into Comics Network. That is very important. It will help you to find our feed. Subscribing to our feed means you are subscribing to all of our shows, but it does not mean you have to listen to all of our shows. So just listen to the ones you want to listen to. Check it out. I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Culture. This has been Culture Episode 2. I have been your host, Nate. 
we will see you guys later.